1: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN.
2: We talked a lot of Giants tonight. We got the big game on Sunday, of course, with the Jets and the Giants. And joining us now in his weekly spot, as he always does, of course. He covers the Giants for us here at ESPN. It is our good buddy. Give it up for the great Jordan Renan. Hello, Jordan. Wow. Yeah. The live audience is into it today, yeah. We've, like we've sold tickets for charity. Uh, we don't know the charity yet, <laughs> but we did sell the tickets. And they want to be here. They want to be here just to listen to your voice talk about Giant football.
1: Okay, let's do it, man. Like, you know, we're kind of, they're coming off a win. It's uh, you a little momentum. I mean, trying to trying for something here. You feel me? Oh, absolutely. Big well, game. I, how Big about... game. The Jets rival oh.
2: And, and I tell you, we're going to be there. We're going to be there Sunday. So, you know, you'll hell, you might That's even right. be on with us on Sunday. I, I wouldn't even put that past them. Okay. I'm in. I'm in. For sure. Looking forward I to that. I, was, I, was, I,
1: I, I, did, I did it once before. I guess it was, what, four
2: or five years ago? I yeah, so we'll have some ago, fun. Right? And, and yeah. then look, this game's got a little bit of life now because, like you said, it wasn't pretty, but it stopped the bleeding. I think that's the best way to put it. They did what they had to do, and they got a win. So you're a Giant fan. You have a little bit better perspective on this game coming up Sunday.
1: Here's what you should feel good about if you're the Giants fan. The defense has now played well in three of the past four games. We'll even look at the Seattle game; they went up less than 300 total yards. Okay, uh, I told you at the time I thought that they had played well, and even in Miami, they gave yeah, I know they gave up 500 yards. They they forced three turnovers and scored a touchdown. So they've been doing some good things. That's the better, that's the best unit by far, and so they at least seem to have that settled. It's not they're not great; they're not as good as the Jets' defense. I don't think. But I do think that they are building a pretty good defense here. Wink Martindale's unit is now
3: the strength of this team. There's no doubt about it. I,
2: I, I would agree. And, and, look, it took a matter of time. And Bobby Okereke, I think, first and foremost, is somebody who's really starting I think, settle into this system. You saw he was all over the field on Sunday, and that's what you're paying him a lot of money to do. A lot of people kind of were skeptical when the Giants gave him that big fat check. But you know what? He's starting to earn it, and he's the quarterback of your defense. There's no other way around it.
1: Yeah, no, he's been great in the middle. Uh, you could see that. But it's not just that. It's around him, you know, like the the Dexter Lawrence probably had his best game of the season the other day. You have uh, you know, Leonard Williams was able was able to do some things and Kayvon Thibodeau's getting sacks now. Like you still like a little more consistency from him, but you're seeing things. Deontay Banks is playing really well. So it's a unit that I think has took a little time to gel together and I think Martindale kinda of hinted at that, that last week. Is that, you know, he's thinking, he thought that it took a little time and they're starting to gel together. And it begins with, uh, and I forget who said it after the game. It might have been, uh, you know, it was Xavier McKinney. Or, I mean, that it starts for them up the middle. They have, you know, a character now in the middle, a solid player that you know you can count on in the middle. You have Xavier McKinney on the back end at safety. And then you have Dexter Lawrence up front. So up the middle, the Giants now have stability at all three levels, and I think it makes a big difference.
2: I know that there's still one more game to play, but do you think that this team will be active one way or the other before the trade deadline next Tuesday?
1: Joe has been active ever since taking over. At the same time, you tell me, well, first of all, I think this week has a, will play a huge part of that, right? right. If they're you know, three and five, it's going to be a lot harder for them to make moves. But you tell me, who do they have that they really can move? They don't really want to move Saquon. It would take a really big offer. And nobody's really pay, going to give a big offer for Saquon, right? Uh, it's a, basically a rental for the end of the season. You're not, you're not giving up a, a first or second round pick for him at this point. That's unlikely. So what do they really have that you know other teams want, right? Yeah, Leonard Williams would make sense, but he's really expensive. That's not – like no team has really taken that on. Uh, Odori Jackson, probably the same thing, plus he's been injured. So, like what, like Xavier McKinney's the guy, I think you look at it. Okay, he has a lot of value. He's still on his rookie deal. He would make sense. But I, I don't think the Giants really want to get rid of him. He's the guy that I think that they potentially would like to bring back and find a way to, to keep. So, I, I don't really know how active they're going to be. Maybe there's a smaller move out there for them, but I don't know. You tell me, what if you're another team, what really interests you on this route? Well,
2: I, I think you hit them all right on the head there, but I think that, you know, on the flip side. Maybe Tyrus Campbell, right? Eh. You, I can see maybe Tyrus
1: Campbell getting moved. It hasn't worked.
2: Yeah, he's lost his role yeah. a little bit. So you
1: get a sixth or seventh rounder and you get something for it, but, I mean, that's not a substantial move at this point.
2: Jordan Renan joining us here on 9870 ESPN. All right, the quarterback quandary. I, I don't think there's much of a quandary personally, but you know how fans are. They want something to stir the pot a little bit here. Um, if Daniel Jones is cleared for contact, first and foremost, which way do you think he's trending? Do you expect him to get clearance this week?
1: I'm a little skeptical that this is the week that you want to bring him back. You know he's this is a tough defense, right? Mm-hmm. Their offensive line is still not in great shape. Uh, He's going to get beat up in this game, whoever the quarterback is, by that defensive line, likely the defensive front of the Jets. I don't know if this is the ideal week. I start. I'm leaning towards the idea that it's probably not this week. The best landing for him is probably the following week, in, in uh, you know, I was going to say in Oakland, but against the Raiders. So I'm leaning. I'm leaning in that direction as of now. Um, now, whether you, you talk about a quarterback controversy, Dan. They just paid one guy $82 million. I agree. I agree. That's why it's two silly. Years. What, what, are we, what are we talking about? And, and the, the Giants offense has scored 20, 24 points in the, last, in the two right. games with Tyrod Taylor. Like, is he playing better? Has he played better than Daniel Jones' most of this year? Sure. But, I mean, talk about short-term memory. That's like, okay, we're just going to eliminate that Daniel Jones played well last year, and we're only going to count the first five games of the season when they were a mess and say, okay, Tyrod, you're the guy? What world does that make sense for the future of the Giants organization?
2: I agree. You need to still know what you have in this guy. And plus, Jordan, are you want to say that Tyron hasn't turned the ball over the last two weeks? I agree. He's also had Saquon at his disposal. But they've averaged 11.5 points a game. Who are you beating consistently in this league scoring 11.5 points a game? Nobody.
1: That's why they're one and one. And they only won because Washington is worse than them. I mean, the Giants in every way possible try to give that game away. Right? I mean... I know they won, and they ultimately, you know, made just enough plays. But even the last play, I watched it again. God, Sam Howell, like that should have been a completion. At worst, you get a first down there. Like, uh, you know, they needed everything to go in their favor to still win that game. So, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. They, they have, unless look, it would make sense if you say, okay, we think the team could make a run. We need to put the guy who's playing the best out there right now. Does anybody believe that, Dan? No.
3: No.
2: Does
1: anyone believe that this team is making a run? You need to play the guy that's playing the best at this singular moment?
2: Fans that are short-sighted look at it that way because they look at it as, hey, we need to still try to win every game and make a playoff run. It's it it, it Those are remote possibilities right now. Remote. You still well, have yeah, to have a big we, picture what focus. We, what are we talking about?
1: Yeah, we're talking about building something here long-term. And if anything, it's with Daniel Jones and it's not with Tyrod I don't know if it's with Daniel Jones. I have my doubts like everybody else a little bit about whether he's the – you know, when you're trying to build a Super Bowl winner that he's that guy, uh, even though I think he is a, a quality quarterback in this league. But, uh, yeah, Tyrod Taylor's not it. He's 30-plus years old. I think he's a great backup, and this is why they signed him, right? This is exactly why he's on the roster. This is exactly what kept – you know, this is exactly the move that would have had Joe Judge still coaching this team.
2: What right? are they... He got fired because they didn't have the Tyrod Taylor. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, what are they going to do as far as fielding punts this week? I know Gray is now on injured reserve. <laughs> uh, it was basically like an open contest there, whether it was, you know, Shepard who couldn't field punts, and then they put him on the bench, and then Darius Slayton, they told to go back there, hey, don't even return it. Just make sure you catch it, and then that's fine. What's the plan this week?
1: I mean, they signed Gunnar Ozleski for the, the former Patriot guy. I think he has a chance to play. Uh, Deshaun Corbin is a guy who put punts a bunch but do they really want it's just such a I mean, even the even the current options, I'm like, okay, well, you know, Deshaun Corbin caught punts in uh, you know, training camp the last two years, but I mean the guy has never returned to punt in the NFL. It's like <laughs> like and then Gunner was, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. I'm, I'm not even gonna go there at this point. Olshevsky, okay. Uh, I'll I'll have to talk to him this week to get an official uh, pronunciation. But that, that sounds right to me. Uh Olshevsky, uh I mean, he had a fumbling problem in Pittsburgh. So uh, it's 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 not great at this point. To me, the thing that sticks out is I just don't understand what the Giants were thinking coming into the season. And just the where was the plan? Like, what was the plan? What was the logical plan? They were trying to make a guy, an Eric Gray, a rookie, mm-hmm. who, by the way, didn't have great success doing it in college, right? They were trying to make it work. He... You could see every day in training camp he just wasn't comfortable catching punts. Of course, it was going to fail eventually. We would joke about it like we knew it was only a matter of time before you know these these muff punts happened. Fortunately for him, the muff punt that they lost didn't happen for him. They recovered all three. Of his Lucky Sterling Shepard was the victim, yeah, and that's that's Saquon Barkley said. That's out of the chef's position, not playing Sterling Shepard. <laughs> I would have,
2: you know, Jordan, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall or heard that conversation between Dayball and Sterling Shepard on the bench after he fumbled. Because, like, Dayball walked over just yeah. matter of factly, sat down next to him, and they had, like, basically just the most normal conversation. And yeah. he was probably like, you know I can't put you back out there, right? If you're going to fumble the ball, I can't put you back out there. So you're going to have to sit, and you can't play the rest of the game. And then he just got up and walked back to the sideline. <laughs> like... So let me tell you, well, I, I, when I was covering the Eagles back in the day,
1: it was actually the season opener. And the Eagles, something happened to their punt return, and they put Greg Lewis back there, Oh, I remember him, Greg yeah. Lewis is actually he's actually the receiver coach, you see him these days, on um, of the Chiefs. And Greg Lewis got put back there. He had never returned punts in practice or anything. Andy Reid was the coach at the time. And guess what happened? Greg Lewis fumbled at like the five yard line. The ball squirted into the end zone. The Packers recovered. It was the only score of the game, and the Eagles lost. And like that, that that's like reminds me of like the giant, the Giants plan for his punt return of this year. Like that, that 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 exact situation is is what uh, you know. I think of when I think of Eric Gray and having trying to force him like shoehorn him to being a returner if you go look he lost the return job at oklahoma because i believe he fumbled against oklahoma state
2: that you can't do that especially in a rivalry game
1: well well that's why he wasn't (laughs) doing it anymore I'm pretty sure he didn't expect to do it in the NFL all of a sudden. Too bad they didn't have...
2: um, Too bad there's no relation to Mel Gray. Remember him? The old uh, Pro Bowl kick returner with the Lions back in the day? I think in the the 90s. Tecmo Bowl fame, Mel Gray. Uh, Talking with Jordan Renan here on 9870 ESPN. How about offensive line look i thought they actually held up pretty well on sunday and i saw the day ball after the game he referenced that the communication was better amongst that group which okay whatever works pew was another week more comfortable um is andrew thomas is this going to be the week where he's back i think he has a shot this
1: week uh john michael schmidt i'm less optimistic now but i think andrew thomas has a shot this week and that would then move justin pew back you know inside to guard you get a mark Lewinsky on the other side and you could have uh Marcus McKeithen, out of the lineup. Marcus McKeithen is the weak link, and that's saying a lot for when we're talking about the Giants' offensive line. Our pass block win rate stat at ESPN yeah. for guards, Marcus McKeithen is 67th
2: out of 67 guards. So that's not good, that's, is what you're saying. Yes, yes. And
1: people are like, "Oh, mckeithen has been good," and I'm like, "Yeah, that's where we're at with this with this offensive line. When we're like, Marcus mckeithen has been okay. <laughs> what do you mean I'm
2: I'm top 67?" <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, he qualified, he qualified, I guess, you know, you could be, I guess he qualified that is saying something, uh, but yeah, it would, they would be in better shape. I think Mark Lewinsky's played really well for them the last few weeks. I think that's been a big boost. He's kind of said that kind of has helped them settle. So now you have at least two veterans in Lewinsky and Pew. And I think that's what you're seeing is, okay, it's still not a good offensive line. They allowed four sacks and Taylor was actually sacked the fifth time, but it was negated by a penalty in the secondary. Uh, so the sacks are still there. Uh, I don't care who the quarterback is. There's just a lot of pressure. Uh, and they can't just go back and straight passing and downs and, and uh, pass the ball. Uh, my daughter, by the way, just had a great header to clear out and save a goal, by the way. Nice. I have to add that in there.
2: Very nice. That's, um, what, that's what you want.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, The offensive line in general, I think once you get Andrew Thomas there, it really will stabilize it. And it, it's either this week or hopefully next week. You just hope he doesn't – you still want another setback, and that's kind of what happened that time, right? Yeah. Is he tried to come back, and it ends up being – oh, he ends up aggravating it, and then all of a sudden uh, – oof. All right. Sorry. That was a tough play. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. No, no. It was offside. I think I bailed out by the, the – Always the refs. It's uh, always so the refs. So, once, once, you, once you do – Yeah, once we do get Andrew Thomas back, they're in just significantly better shape to at least field a functionable line. That's the goal at this point, right? Right. We know their line is not going to be good. Their line, they're not going to be one of the better lines. We're just trying to be able to run offense consistently. That's it.
2: Before I let you go, you can go back to the soccer game. Um, Do you have any pull within the organization to make it a permanent thing to have those uniforms, the real uniforms again?
1: Oh you like them like the the, oh my gosh. the throwback yes. ones the legends? Yes. Yeah, those are good. The yes. players like the players like them too. The players also like the ones from the week before
2: where they wore white. Uh, what did they call them? Yeah, the white. They were really the like color the color rush or whatever. Seen. But I mean it's still the 80s yeah, uniform. The color, exactly. It's the same helmet just yeah, the home the lega- and the away the
1: version. Lega- the legacy the legacy uniforms just give you that giant feel, right? It's a different shade of blue. And yeah. it really just makes you think of those 80s Giants. But yeah, we got to get the right product on the field before we start wearing the '80s type uh, uniforms again. That defense, defense got to keep going in the right direction, right? Yeah,
2: I, I hear what you're saying, but you know, hey, what's out? Can't what just the- Sam Howell. Well, you know what though? <laughs> Everybody sacks Sam Howell. People, people like the retro look. Those jet ones, the '80s ones that they wore. It's a, it's a different shade of green, but it's still extremely popular. The fans like it, so we'll see. You know, maybe it's coming back again. Yeah. The retro look.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a big hit. It's been a big hit with fans over the past couple of years. I know everyone I talked to pretty much loves it. And the players actually like it, too.
2: This week, by the way, I don't know if you saw this. The Seahawks are wearing the 80 Seahawks uniforms this week. And the Tennessee Titans Steve are Largen. wearing... Yeah, the Steve Largent's and, and Geno Kurt Smith today... Warner. Geno, S- Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner with a C from Penn State. Geno Smith was doing a press right. conference... Wearing the same hat that Chuck Knox used to wear back in the day, like the so like right out of the '80s font and everything, it was fantastic. And the Tennessee Titans are wearing Houston Oilers uniforms this week. How about that?
1: This is like reliving your childhood, man. Oh.
2: Jordan, it's 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 like, like I woke up in a dream. It's fantastic.
1: You want you want to go play Tecmo Ball?
2: Let's do it. You Sunday, we'll we'll do it Sunday.
1: Super Tecmo is my game. Yeah, super because it, it had all the teams. It had all the teams. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't like Bo Jackson could just run and, like, the guys just bounce off his back. Yeah,
2: that didn't that, – that 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 was a little fugazi.
1: <laughs> yeah, can't do
2: that. Jordan, great stuff, buddy. I'll see you Sunday. Thanks for a couple as always. All right, Dan. Good one. Have a good one. All right, buddy. There's Jordan Renan. Great job covering the Giants for us here at ESPN. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm a sucker for those uniforms. Any of those threads that these teams are trotting out there, I think they are far superior to what they currently have. And I can't advocate it anymore. 800 919 3776. That is the telephone number. We'll do some NBA with Brian Geltzsiler in about 10 minutes or so. More of your phone calls and an update here on game seven of the baseball as well. Grasso show for another hour on 9870 SPN.
0: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple.
2: This
1: is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN.
2: Now which game is this? This was Tecmo Bowl? I gotta be honest. Now granted, I was a hell of a lot younger at the time. It was an earlier version of me. I don't know why I would stick with the game. If that was the music. There were a lot of times, though, that I played video games that I would actually turn the sound down and just play the game. Because I would play, like, mostly, like, sports games. And so you don't really, like, need to hear the sound. So you turn the sound down and I would probably have, like, the radio on or music on or, or something. But it wouldn't be, like, the video game corny sound like that. Boy, that is right out of Nintendo, man. Right out of Nintendo. Eight hundred nine one nine is the telephone number. Dan Gross's show. We'll talk to Brian Geltseiler. Talk some NBA coming up in about 10 minutes or so. What we said earlier about the Diamondbacks in the Phillies game, right? At game number seven tonight. We said if you're Arizona, you want to strike early, try to get the crowd out of the game a little bit. Well, they struck early. It wasn't the prettiest of runs, but they still manufactured one. More importantly, Christian Walker grounding into a fielder's choice, scoring Corbin Carroll. So the Snakes, what a 1-0 lead. Here we are in the bottom of the first inning. That's all you can ask for. So we'll see how this one plays itself out. I don't think Philadelphia is going away quietly. Look, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and kid you, unless you are a diehard baseball fan or a diehard sports fan. Right? You, you like the big events. You think it's part of your DNA as a sports fan that hey, the World Series is on. I got to pay attention to it. A Diamondbacks Rangers World Series to a national audience of casual fans is going to be a very, very tough sell. And that's why I said to you, you know what? You know the sport and Fox and all them, MLB, they are rooting like hell for the Phillies tonight. If they can influence this game in some way, shape, or form, they are going to have it go the way of the Phillies. Just to add a little bit of, you know, some stature into this fall classic. Diamondbacks are a good story, but most people in America could care less. You know, and if you're the Texas Rangers right now and Adolis Garcia is swinging a bat like nobody's business, most people wouldn't know Adolis Garcia if, if he fell on him, and that's the truth. You know, Fox is going to sit there and try to sell Bruce Bochy more than anything else. He's going to become the face of the Texas Rangers, and Bruce Bochy is a guy who doesn't exactly enjoy doing all the interviews and doesn't exactly, you know, have the gift of gab, and he's not somebody who is, you know, blessed with a, um, you know, this great personality or anything. He's a great guy, great manager, but he's just he's not that guy, you know? But that's where we are right now. And by the way, Adolis Garcia... I tweeted this out last night after the game. Think about this. You talk about missteps by a single organization. Following the 2019 baseball season, so going into 2020, before the world shut down, do you realize the St. Louis Cardinals made two trades that winter, among the others that they made, but two in particular. In one offseason, they traded away Randy Arozarena to the Tampa Bay Rays. They also... Parted ways with Adolis Garcia and traded him to Texas for cash considerations. Literally got nothing in exchange. Think about that for a second. Randy Arozarena, Adolis Garcia have since gone on to be named ALCS MVPs and pretty good baseball players. And the Cardinals essentially gave them away for nothing. I can only imagine what sports talk radio in St. Louis is like today with fans probably trying to destroy John Mozeliak and the rest of that Cardinals front office, who, by the way, are coming off of a last-place season this year. So think about that. You have a horrible year, and then what do you do for an encore? You have another one of the guys that you gave up on and, and, and got nothing in return go out there and be a star and help a team get to the World Series. Incredible. Incredible. 800 So we'll keep you posted here on this game as it gets going. Chris and Beth Page up next here on 98.7. Christopher, how are you? Hey,
4: Dan, very good. Uh, glad to finally hear some common sense from Jordan Renan. I mean, I'm a Giants fan, and, you know, I, I just can't believe it. You know, I argue with my friends at work, too. It's, You know what there is out there? And I'm telling you. Yeah. I call it D.J.S., mm-hmm. Daniel Jones Syndrome. And what happened was the day he was drafted, there was a large group of people that never believed in the guy. And from that moment on, he could have the best games in the world. He had a very good uh, rookie season, and then he took him to the playoffs last year. Did, accomplished something in the playoffs, by the way, against Minnesota, which no quarterback ever did, which was run, rush for two touchdowns, throw over 300 yards, and rush for 70 yards. No quarterback ever did that in the playoffs, and he did that, okay? That doesn't matter. So this is my point. We know what his upside is. I know what his upside is. I've watched every play the guy's made. So we definitely know what we're getting with Daniel Jones. But what you need, this is – Listen, he's not an elite quarterback. I get it. But you put a decent offensive line. By the way, Andrew Thomas hasn't played basically more than like five snaps the whole year. Andrew Thomas would have paid a ton of money. Left tackle, okay? Hasn't played. And by the way... And he got hurt on a special teams play, too. Right, exactly. And this is what you're getting with Daniel Jones. This is his upside, okay? You saw it in the second half of the Cardinal game. Granted, you didn't see it in the first half, but you saw it in the second half. And that was the last time... He and Saquon were on the field together Was that second half. So what I'm saying is I know what I'm getting with Daniel Jones. I've seen it. That's his upside. That's his potential. All right? But, now, but, but, but Chris, here's the thing. Is, Chris, yeah. here's the thing real
2: quick, and, and I got to let you go because I got to get a break here, but I thank you for the phone call. Upside, potential, sometimes are scary words. Because when you hear upside, you know what that tells you? That's what this person can be. Right, like nobody, we don't talk about Patrick Mahomes' upside. Right, we don't talk about Josh Allen's upside. Because we know what they are. We don't talk about Patrick Mahomes' potential. He's reached it already. How many more years are we going to have to still circulating that term and the name Daniel Jones in the same sentence? Upside, potential. Daniel Jones was drafted in 2019. It's 2023. Next year it's going to be 2024. When are we going to see this potential? Right? When is it going to happen? People, think about this. People that already made up their minds in year three for Zach Wilson and said they know what he is already. And whatever potential he had, he's not going to be able to reach, at least not with the New York Jets, and they're ready to get rid, they're ready to get rid of him and to give up on him. So I'm not saying Daniel Jones is bad, but there comes a time that if you're not reaching that potential and if you're not living up to what the organization thought you could be, guess what they're going to do? They're going to move on and find somebody that they think maybe can reach that potential a little bit faster and a little bit more efficiently. We all have an expiration date in our chosen path. That's just the reality of the situation. Not saying Daniel Jones is never going to play football again, but you know what? It might not be as the starting quarterback of the Giants. Got to produce. It's a bottom-line business. You know, Taylor Heineke came close to winning a playoff game once. Taylor Heineke now is holding a clipboard. 800-919-3776. 800 919 We come back. We'll talk some NBA. Season is underway already tonight. Nuggets are up 15 on the Lakers in the second quarter. They're already making championship parade plans already in Denver based on this 15-point lead. I could see it now. Knicks tomorrow, Nets tomorrow. When we come back, we'll talk to Brian Geltziler of NBA Radio. Go around the league, talk about the two locals as well. Gross the Show till 915. Then it's Ranger Hockey right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> now time to dive a little bit deeper into the NBA. And joining us now is our good pal. You hear him on Sirius XM NBA Radio. Give it up, please, for my good friend, Brian Geltziler. BG, what's going on, buddy? Hello, Danny. Pleasure to be back with you, buddy. How you doing? Doing well. Happy New Year, of course. What a new season upon us. It's nice to get this thing going instead of hearing about drama and rumors and all these other things that an NBA offseason usually delivers. But let's get right into it here with the Knickerbockers because we know that they came off a great season last year, one step from the conference finals. Now, last time they made the playoffs, though, they kind of crashed back down to earth the following year. Why won't that happen this season? Well, it's interesting.
1: That seems to be the general consensus of the betting public. I heard this on Brian Winhorse's Hoop Collective podcast today on ESPN. And the Knicks right now are, per the sports books, the under 45 and a half wins is the, what the most money has come in on wow. the preseason bets But the over-unders. Under 45 and a half. And I, by the way, I have a Knicks as an over. I actually think it's going to be a three-seed. I think, listen, this is. When you have a young team like this, when you have players like Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barrett and Quentin Grimes and Emmanuel Quickly, they are still getting better and finding themselves. And when you play in the playoffs and you advance around like they did last year, it, it, it helps guys get better. It grows in confidence. First of all, Mitchell Robinson's up to 280 pounds and its muscle. The dude is huge in the best way possible. He looks terrific. And he's going to be a force. I mean, keep in mind, he manhandled Allen and Mobley last year, who pushed a lot of people around during a regular season. He single-handedly threw those guys around and killed Cleveland that year as an offensive rebound. So, like, it, it's I, I happen to be a big R.J. guy, and I think the – playoff experience where he played well last year. He certainly played well in that Miami series. And and I think even the experience with team Canada in the world cup is going to help him. I just, and the other thing is this, like, and let's just call it like it is the only top and never fit from day one. No. They tried to fit him in. They tried very, very hard. Steven Chenzo fits better. He just does. They in the end. The thing with Tom is this: if he's not going to have Randall on the floor, he's going to play a five and four wings. And the benefit of having six foot eight RJ Barrett on your team is that when you want to play a bench unit, you can play him with five bench guys and him as the four next to Hartenstein at five. And he can do a good job of that because he rebounds well. He defends the perimeter well. So you see, so you have those choices if you're the Knicks to play a little bit small. The other thing is this. Josh Hart's one of the best rebounding wins in the entire league. Yep. So having him there allows you to play a little bit smaller, be tougher on the perimeter. Um, I, listen, the Knicks last year were able to advance around in the playoffs, and Randall was playing on one foot. And I think you have to look at that also. I'm very high on this team this year. I really am. Because the other thing that can happen is, you know, a star player comes available. And if, you know, if Leon Rose decides he's interested, the Knicks have everything it takes To upgrade this roster, it's really, it's looking up for New York in a way that it hasn't, quite frankly, in my opinion, Danny, in over 20 years in this town.
2: And it's been long enough. And look, I think continuity is a blessing for this team. You know, the fact that there hasn't been so much roster turnover, virtually any, and that's something that this team really hasn't had for like the last 20 years. You know, stability is, I think, a bonus for this basketball team. Now, I'll ask it this way. We know that Brunson was sensational last year, and he was even better at the end of the season and into the playoffs. Do you think there's another level for Jalen Brunson to hit? Probably not, and it's okay. You know what I mean? Like he was great last year. I don't
1: know. I mean he's his shooting percentages have always been very good. the The thing with him that was the revelation last year is he he had much higher usage and his efficiency stayed in place with much higher usage. the The thing with Brunson here, and you know, keep this in mind, listen two years three years ago Randall was fantastic, all NBA guy. Two years ago, he was not good at all and was on the verge of mentally and emotionally imploding on that Knicks team. And last year, we saw a version of Randall that was much closer to the the one that made All-NBA and he made All-NBA again than he was the, the one the year before. My point being is that Brunson and Randall together, that relationship, that on-court relationship, that off-court relationship – is a big asset to this team. It makes them both better players. And and so I think when you look at Brunson, the chemistry there and the synergy between him and Randall, I think that helps a ton. I think for the Knicks, where the upgrades and the improvements are going to come, more than that, I think they're going to get what they're going to get out of Brunson and Randall, what they've gotten in the past, is the younger guys. Barrett, Grimes, Robinson, even Quickly. Listen, Quickly was, I mean, he was second and a sixth man of the year voting last year. And I think quickly still can be smarter and more efficient offensively and dribble a little bit less and move the ball a little bit more. There's things Emmanuel quickly can really do to improve on his game. So I think that's where the improvement's going to come in. And then a couple of tested veterans who play well, with Jalen Brunson and Hart and Divincenzo are going to make a big deal. Divincenzo is a good player. He shot well from three last year. He guards. He's a team player. He works hard. He's Tom's type of player. Yeah. I, I just I, I just like the way the roster looks. I, I don't think Brunson has to take it to another level. Is my point. And I kind of think at this stage of Brunson's career, Dan, he is what he is. And it's a, it's I want to say a heck of a good player. It's a borderline great player.
2: No, I I don't disagree with you at all. You know that's plenty fine. And I think he'll get the All Star recognition this year. Maybe even All NBA. Who knows. You know, a year late, whatever. But if it's justified, it's justified. BG, there is one guy, though, on this team that I, I, I would like to see, and I'm sure a lot of Nick fans would like to see take that next step, and that's Quinton Grimes. I'd like to see the three ball improve a little bit more. Do you think that he's got another level to reach, and could he reach that this year with this team?
1: Absolutely. I think he's – I just listed him as one of those guys that's got to improve. You have to see a level up from Barrett. You have to see a level up from Grimes this year. I I would like, listen, I'd like to see Grimes shoot it better. I would like to see Grimes be a better player off the dribble. I'd like to see him be, a li- be able to create a little bit more, not just be the standstill 3D guy. He was that kind of guy off the dribble as a college player at Houston. Grimes has that in him somewhere. It's just a question of finding on an NBA level. Um, I think he defends well. I know, Listen, there's times last year Tom finished games with Grimes instead of batter, and we're going to see it again because he likes how Grimes guards. So it's always going to earn Grimes' minutes on this team, but on the offensive end, I think there's a lot more that he can do and that he should do. He's, he's got a lot of potential there and that's the thing about this nick team like you mentioned continuity danny you're so right in bringing the same group back but part of the continuity and part of why you can get away with not necessarily going crazy trying to upgrade the roster is because when you have young guys that are still getting better you get a, a couple together you know listen if we two or three of barrett grimes robinson and quickly find another level that's enough to catapult this team into a three seed and make them a tough out in the playoff series for Boston or Milwaukee. And to me, that's the ceiling this year. And it's a great ceiling. Even if they go out in the second round again, if it's to Boston or Milwaukee, it's still okay because you're, you're, you are you got to, sometimes you got to knock on the door a few times before it opens up for you.
2: Talking with Brian Geltz, either here on 9870 SPN. Let's flip over to the Nets here for a second. When I look at realistic goals for them for this upcoming season, obviously they're going to be lower than what you expect out of the Knicks here, but, I still think that if things break a certain way, and more importantly, if they stay healthy, that's got to be the key with them, especially with a couple of their key players, Simmons leading the charge. Uh, This is a team I still think that could find their way into the top six again. Is that unrealistic?
1: No. I mean, it's... It, it, people would have you think it's a little bit of a reach. It's interesting because I mentioned the Knicks over-under number before as being the under 45.5, the single biggest number that was bet. Winhorse Brian Winhorse on this podcast, also said the second biggest over-under number was the Nets under number of, I believe, 37 or 38, which surprised me because, you know what? First of all, Bridges – has gotten so much better. Yeah. And I actually think he asked me the question about Brunson taking it to another level. I think McKell Bridges can. I think McKell Bridges is a big time player in this league. Well, he's he's most improved player. Everybody's players.
2: picking him to be the guy. You know what I mean? He's the runaway favorite right yes. now from MIP. Yeah.
1: Yes. And and I, I think you're going to see him take it up a level. I love the combination of him, Cam Johnson, and Dorian Finney Smith because they can all shoot and they can all guard. And, 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 but, but you're right about Simmons. Simmons is going to be the guy that potentially makes the biggest difference here. Because if Ben Simmons, we we don't have to get this who Ben Simmons can be. We can just be the dude he was in Philly. I'll take that. Be the dude you were in Philly. I don't care if you take a three. Okay, I'd like you to make your free throws. Okay, but I don't care if you take a shot outside the restricted area. Okay, I could care less. Handle the ball, go to the basket, defend, push it in transition, use your athleticism in the way that you can. Simmons is a multi-talented guy. And, and listen, until he does it, we're not going to know if he can do it, and we'll we'll get a look at them tomorrow night, and we'll see what they have. But I think, to me, this is a team that could win as many as 43 to 44 games if everything falls right. The other thing about them, and I mentioned it with the Knicks, the Knicks have all these assets. So do they. They can go out and make a major deal. Teams would line up for Nick Claxton. Nick Claxton's got so much value and oh, He's going to get paid, too. You, and he's going to get paid and you and you combine that with all these Phoenix picks that they have, then the Nets could go out and get somebody. So this is, and and the thing is about Nets going out to get somebody is, you know, if Bridges becomes your second star, because Bridges is a star player, he's gonna be a star player. I it, we we all feel it. It's you know, you're talking about him being the odds-on player for MIP. That's there. It's everybody feels that. So I I kind of think that Bridges is gonna be there. You go get a second guy there, and all of a sudden this thing gets relevant fast in Brooklyn. Um, I really believe I I'm a believer of the Nets. I like this team a lot it's gonna be a fun team to watch but i think they can be very very good
2: all right let me hit on a couple of uh, around the league stuff before we say goodbye number one the impact on the new rules what do you think that that's going to serve here moving forward in terms of you know the trying to dissuade guys from load management and that type of thing do you think that that will have a serviceable impact on the way we consume this sport this year
1: uh in some cases the the, the general answer is yes I just think it may not go as far as the league would like it to go. Here's my one problem with how the league handled all of this when it comes to this load management thing. They decided to address load management like four or five months after they agreed on a new CBA. And then they took the load management thing and they made it the responsibility in terms of the penalties to be on the teams and not the players. And that to me is, it puts, it makes it a tough situation. I'll give you an example. Steve Bomber's the owner of the LA Clippers Mm -hmm. worth $90 billion. And that's not an exaggeration. Okay. 90 billion. If Steve Bomber's getting fined because Kawhi Leonard's sitting games when he's not hurt, it's for Bomber, it's not even lunch money. And you think Kawhi's going to worry about it or care? You think Bomber's going to tell him not to worry about it or care if it's what he thinks he's right and what he thinks he has to do. So my point is, is that some of these teams are the owners that have deeper pockets, are at a significant advantage if the owner is willing to eat the fine for the player. Where other teams that may not be willing to eat the fine, listen, look at Boston. They may want to do that with Kristaps Porzingis at one point, but that's an ownership group that's into the luxury tax, and they don't necessarily have the resources that a team like the Clippers has, that a team like the Warriors have, that a team like the Knicks have. And so for them, they're going to maybe watch the pennies a little bit more when it comes to have to pay and load management fees to the league because guys are doing this. So I think putting it on the teams created an imperfection. I think you had to have the players take some ownership with it. if It's going to truly be as effective as they want to be. Will it help? It certainly will help. Will it solve everything? There's no way it solving everything.
2: What do you think happens to Phoenix this year? No point guard, no depth. You know, Durant's always hurt every time the wind blows. Do you think the Suns are more boom or bust this year?
1: I, I'm going to say bust for two reasons. Number one... Already tonight, Beals not playing. Yeah. They don't stay healthy. Like, it, it, that's an issue. The second thing is the most inexplicable thing I saw this entire offseason, the thing I understood the least, was the Phoenix Suns trading DeAndre Ayton to make their starting big use of Nurkic. Yusuf Nurkic is as old a (laughs) twenty-nine-year-old as you'll ever see in this league, Danny. Okay, he's playing the game in cement boots. You can only play drop defense with him. I understand Aiden is age frustrating because you see all the potential in him, and 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 sometimes he's a little thick between the ears and doesn't want to fulfill that potential. I get, I get that. But athletes, DeAndre Aiden don't grow on trees, man. And what you have right now is when you had DeAndre Aiden, you could. Help and recover. You could switch stuff. You are stuck now playing only drop D because you can't switch Nurkic on the guards. It kills your optionality. And when you look at the fact that you brought in a coach in Frank Vogel who's really good and really creative defensively, you probably took his best defensive weapon away from him and, and, and brought him a guy with lead shoes. Like, I just I don't understand it. And so I will tell you, I, this is what – I had Phoenix coming out of the West mm-hmm. just because I felt like they could win enough games to be able to get there. When they made this Dayton trade, I do not have them coming out of the West. Because the other thing is this. Like they essentially downgraded from, Nurkic to, from Aiton to Nurkic to get Grayson Allen. How much is Grayson Allen even going to play? That's a fair point. He's going to play behind Booker. He's going to play behind Eric Gordon. Beal is there. How much is Grayson Allen going to really play? I don't know. And the other thing is this. They went and got a couple of guys in Keita Bates-Diop, who shot 39% from three last year, and Utah Watanabe, who shot 44% from three for the Mets last year. And both of those guys can defend. You don't need Grayson Allen. What are you doing? Like, they had such a good offseason with, with the minimum contract guys. They did a great job filling out the roster. Eric Gordon was such a bargain for them and such a great pickup. And now you go ahead and you make this deal. And and it's the crazy. The crazy part is they just traded the kind of guy that the team needs more than anything. It's so disappointing in Phoenix. All
2: right, well, I'll leave you on this one. Give me a team that maybe some folks are sleeping on that you think are going to be better than advertised. To me, I- I'll say Oklahoma City just because I want to see Chet Holmgren with SGA. They got into the play tournament last year, which was great. But, BG, think about all those assets they have and all those picks that if they want to be aggressive and improve this team, they could do it during the season. I wouldn't sleep on OKC.
1: No, I wouldn't. But I, but I'll tell you this: I don't know that Sam Presti thinks this team is ready to do that. I think he wants to see what he has first. And I think OKC is going to be good. I think Adam is seventh seed, so they'll definitely be better than last year. But I. They're, but a, they're a trendy pick for a sleeper. Here's the two I'll give you. Mm-hmm. The first one's Atlanta. Atlanta.
2: Mm.
1: All right. The John Collins is a, is a, is addition by subtraction. That means that Sadiq Bay and Jalen Johnson and we were going to get more of those minutes. And they all provide a different dimension. Collins didn't guard anybody. He didn't love to pass the ball. Him and Trey Young didn't get along great. That's become a much more comfortable situation with Collins gone. I think that the young Murray thing has a really good chance of working. Quinn Snyder's an excellent coach. This is a talented team with a lot of size on the perimeter. And I think that Quinn Snyder with a full training camp with this group is going to get a lot out of them. And I think a lot of people are Everybody loves Cleveland too. I think Atlanta is going to be better than Cleveland this year. I like Atlanta a lot. My team in the West, mm-hmm. and this took, this took a hit yesterday because everybody's sleeping on Memphis. Mm-hmm. Okay. And people are dismissing Memphis because Brandon Clark is, may not play the later in the year if he plays at all. Um, and Ja was out, right? Ja was out for 20, 25 games. Historically, they've played great with Jai out. And frankly, I think if they can go 15 and 10, anywhere from 14 and 11 to 16 and nine with Jai out and hanging there, even 13 and 12, they're hanging in there enough. I think that Jai is going to come back and it's going to make a huge difference for them. And it allows Marcus Smart to assert himself as the adult in the room. And they need that desperately. And I think Smart's a really important guy for their team. Um, the Steven Adams' injury hurts it because oh. Adams is so important the best screener in the league, He's one of the best offensive rebounders in the league. He's a really good defensive player. He just does so much for this group. And the other thing he does is he frees up Jaron Jackson to roam. Jaron Jackson, you know, he got defensive player of the year because he was able to roam last year. And even that was with Adams out. Now, Xavier Tillman is a is a good backup and will give them minutes and help. Um, it just hurts. You know, but I like what they do. You know, this is a team that in the draft, they don't try to hit home runs all the time. They'll get singles and doubles. So they get contributors, guys like David Roddy and Jake LaRavia and Al Dama. It, it, it's an interesting team, and I just think because John's going to be out, everybody's you know ready to dismiss them. I'm not ready to dismiss them. Desmond Baines a heck of a good player. They have found a way to play in the past without John Moran. Tyus Jones was a big reason for that. But Marcus Smart can be a big reason why they play well without John Morant, too. So Memphis is my team in the West that I think everybody's sleeping on with.
2: Should be a lot of fun. Can't wait to see this thing get underway here. BG, always appreciate a couple of minutes. Enjoy the season, pal. I know we're going to do it again real soon, but thanks for a couple.
1: Whenever you want to. Always happy to do it, Danny. Take care and feel good, buddy.
2: Thanks, buddy. You too. There's Brian Geldziler of NBA Radio. Outstanding stuff when it comes to the NBA. And, look, that's interesting, right? I mean, a couple of teams that he mentioned there, look – We know who the heavyweights are. We know who the favorites are. But the great thing about the way this sport has gone the last couple of years is that teams can change their stripes like that in the midst of a season. What I mean by that is blockbuster trades happen during the NBA and before the trade deadline, right, that maybe we don't expect. Or maybe a guy wakes up one morning and decides, you know what, I don't want to play here anymore. And then all of a sudden, he becomes a movable asset. So it's just, you never know what to expect. But in this town, as I said to Brian, I think if the Nets could stay healthy, and when I say Nets, (laughs) I'm talking about Ben Simmons more than anybody else. If he could stay healthy and all the returns are good so far, this team could find itself back there in the top six. And I think that would be an accomplishment, given all the circus that was in Brooklyn for the last couple of years. That's number one. With the Knicks, I'm looking at the Eastern Conference. I see Boston. I see Milwaukee as the only two teams that are on a different level from them. BG said they could be a three. Top four, absolutely, to me, is the goal. Home court advantage in the first round. You win a round, and then you take your chances in round number two based upon what your matchup is. But it should be a fun basketball season. Not as dramatic a basketball season in this town as what we've experienced maybe over the last few years. Now, remember, we're going till 9-15 tonight. Then we're going to hand it off to Donnie, who's got Ranger pregame. Then it's Kenny and Dave on the call for Rangers Flames. We're closing it out with you on the phones. 800 3776 Dan Grass' show, 9870 SPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on
1: 98.7 ESPN. About another 10 more minutes, then we're going to hand things off to Don. He's got pregame for you,
2: Rangers and the Flames. Snow on the ground in Alberta. How about that? A little snow, but not snowing here, of course. And Kenny and Dave are going to have the call once he is through. Big one for the Blue Shirts. Continuing on their a West Coast swing out there in Calgary. We're all over a bunch of things. Tonight on the show, a little football, a little baseball, a little hoops. Great time of year where all these sports come together, so we appreciate that. At Dan Grasso's, is where you can get me on Twitter, by the way, as well. At Dan Gross, G R G-R-A-C-A. Let's see. 1-1 is our score in the Game 7 of the NLCS. D-backs and the Phils. They're in the top of the fourth inning. Philly knotted things up in the second there. Solo shot by Alec Boehm to left field, so got the place buzzing again. Not too many people are sitting down at Citizens Bank Park. Winner gets the Texas Rangers in the fall Classic And of course, a lot of talk already as we got underway tonight with the Jets and the Giants. The Lockhorns on Sunday at MetLife Stadium will be there beginning at 11 a.m. with Buddle and myself on the pregame show. And remember, no show tomorrow for us because we've got season opener with the Knickerbockers, Nick Celtics. So we'll be back with you on Thursday. Right after TMKS at 6.30. So let's get as many calls up here as we can to close things out. And let's say hi to Jose in Brooklyn up next year on 98.70 ESPN. Hello, Jose. How are you?
0: Hey, good evening, Dan. Shout out to the company. Let me make my two quick points. Yep. Um Well, one for the Knicks, you know, I I, I do hope that they become a top three seed because then that tells me, like, you know, it's just more than just, you know, one player that reached their full potential. It's going to be a couple because that's the only scenario that I see see, because the Hawks and everybody else, I do think, got a little bit better. So we'll see. But um, for the game coming up this weekend, um, I'm a big believer that this game is going to be pretty much one on the defensive lines and who's going to be able to create the most pressure. And I'm, it's going to be interesting because I, I do think that the two first round picks from And Kayvon Thibodeau and Tremaine Johnson definitely are guys that need to kind of step up and really show out and really kind of get their names out with these these bad offensive lines. What do you think?
2: No, I don't think you're wrong. And look, Thibodeau's been playing really, really well the last couple of weeks. And, and, you know, a lot of people looked at it as, you know, there was shade being thrown at at Kayvon. It was more about... Not that he was playing poorly, it's just that you expected him to go to another level based upon where he was drafted and all the expectations coming out of Oregon. For the last couple of weeks, he's been really, really good. And you'll take that each and every week if you're a Giant fan. Now, you know, the, the, the greats are the ones that are able to go out there and do it consistently, week in and week out. And that's the next step for this guy. And on the flip side, Jermaine Johnson, look. Jermaine's had a great season. He had a great off season. That set the foundation for year number two. And it's off to a good start. You know, he's wreaking havoc. He's applying pressures. You know, just one of the many um, guys on that defensive line that wreak havoc alongside a guy like Bryce Huff who's having a breakout year. So um, this is going to be a chance, I think, for both of these defenses to maybe try to exploit a couple of offensive lines that have dealt with some injuries that maybe aren't as whole as you would like them to be. And we'll see which one wins out. Coming up here on Sunday, I do think it's going to be big. By the way, we didn't mention it much uh, earlier in the show, but I meant to. You know, the Monday night game last night, which was won by the Vikings, a good win for them. What it does is it makes you think a little bit more about who could be available, who won't be available. Now, I think that that ship has sailed. Not that it maybe was ever anything credible anyways, but at least more in the fans' minds. About the Jets going out and making a trade for a Kirk Cousins. Well, the Vikings aren't going to trade Kirk Cousins now. Because they're right there at 3-4, and four, which means anything can happen the rest of the way. And the fact that Minnesota shorthanded as it is, and Cousins is still going out there and playing effectively, and winning a game like they did last night against San Francisco, shows that there's enough reason to believe that they could still make something of this season. But I don't look at it any either way that... San Francisco is not what we thought that they were going to be. And San Francisco is any less of a team than I thought they were before they kicked that game off last night. You know, they were missing some guys. You know, Debo Samuel's one of the top playmakers in the NFL. Wasn't there. You know, Trent Williams, best left tackle in the league, wasn't there last night. They still had a chance, but they made a couple of mistakes. You know, Purdy made a couple of throws that he would like to have back. And it cost them. Defensively. They didn't play as well as you normally see them play. And give Cousins and Minnesota credit. Think about that. Cousins went out there last night, picked that Niners defense apart without the services of Jefferson, right? Arguably the best wide receiver in the game, if not one of, you know, top two or three. Instead, Jordan Addison, the rookie, goes out there and has a field day. And I think the turning point of that game was that touchdown for Minnesota to Addison late in the first half. When Cousins threw that one over the middle, which looked like it was going to be intercepted, which basically was intercepted, and then Addison took it right out of his hands and then strolled into the end zone because San Francisco brought the heat on the play, so they didn't have anybody back, and once he got away from that guy, the, the, the one defender, it was off to the races, and that ended up being the difference. You know, the kicking game was a little shoddy for both sides, which was a little surprising considering you're playing indoors. You're not having to deal with any elements or, or that sort of thing, but the Niners will be fine. But what it did potentially do for them now, even though you still have 10 games left in the season, is that they're going to be playing the chase game in trying to catch a team like Philadelphia. Now, I think that Philadelphia will lose again. And the Niners and the Eagles are going to be playing each other in December, which is going to be a massive game. But I think that home field advantage, certainly for a potential NFC championship game, would be huge for both of those teams. Huge. So if the Niners are home, you like their chances better. And certainly if the Eagles are home, you like their chances better if they were to meet again in the NFC title game. But we're still a long ways away from that one. Let us say hi to Bobby. He's in Belmore. He's up next here on 98.7. Bobby, how you doing?
3: Good, good Dan. How you doing? Excellent. What's going um, on, Bob? Okay. Uh, you yeah, know the organizational killer, worst fourth quarter all-star in the playoffs in the history of the NBA. Uh, that's why the Knicks have a shot at being a top four seed. You have know, to about Harden. Now, uh, let me get to uh, the Yankees quickly before I get to the Jets. Uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, I didn't want to Dan. They gave me, could have gone to playoff Iovaldi for for $130 million less. And they could have gone to left field with that. And it's just incredible that, you know, in with his previous history injury, I didn't want the guy his his history as long as his arm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I didn't understand. Plus, Bolchie was available. I wanted him. And, you know, instead so of this, uh, you know, this, um, <coughs> excuse me, this puppet match that they have who made three terrible bullpen moves in that National series last year. Uh, you know, I didn't understand, you know, but Kesha wants total control. And we know, so that's what it is with that. Now let me get to well, the. Well, that's Jeff. the thing,
2: and a guy like Bochy would never, ever take a job here if he knows he has to answer no, to never. somebody like Cashman. He's going to do his own no, thing, never.
3: Right, and you know, but the, the the lifetime general manager is, you know, too egotistic to do that. Anyway, well, let me get to the Jets quickly. I know you have other calls. Um, I it's only going to be fitting, uh, Dan, that I could see this happening. You know, they played New England the last game of the year. And I could see them going for a playoff spot. And this guy Belichick, I just hope it just, you know, doesn't play. I hope they have a clinch before that. But, you know, I, I could see it happening. I think it could knock them out of the playoffs. I mean, what do you think about that? It's only destiny. You know, the way Belichick.
2: Bobby, I'll and, tell and you this. Jets. I'll tell you this, and I'll say this for probably every Jet fan and, and even the guys in that locker room. I think that most of them would sign up right now, okay, to have that game week 18 or, yeah, right, week 18 in Foxborough to where if you win the game, you're going to the playoffs. They would all take that chance right now, given everything that transpired four plays into the season, right? At that moment, when Aaron Rodgers is sitting there getting helped off the field, and you get word a little bit later that it's an Achilles and that his season is over. You wouldn't assign for a scenario to meet up with the Patriots for all the marbles in that final game of the season? Of course you would. Of course you would. By the way, celebrate the return of Knicks basketball with Barton Hahn live from T-Squared Social on East 42nd Street tomorrow, October 25th, before the Knicks tip off their season against Boston. The guys are going to be broadcasting live from noon to 3 with Knicks-themed merch giveaways and special guest appearances by Latrell Sprewell, Willie Colon, Monica McNutt and Chuck D. It's brought to you by T-Squared Social at 7 East, 42nd Street in Manhattan. So, Knicks opener tomorrow. We'll have it all for you beginning at 6.30 against the Boston Celtics, which means no show for us tomorrow, but we're going to be back on Thursday right after TMKS to get you set here for a weekend of football and some other goodies as well. We'll know what the World Series is going to be by the time we reconvene then also. This
1: is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. (laughs)